Welcome to the Self-Made Mind Podcast. We'll be bringing you real-life, honest conversations with some of the world's elite performers, from sporting athletes to millionaire CEOs and everyone in between. Success leaves clues. And it's now our mission to deliver these stories so you can start writing your own self-made script. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Self-Made Mind Podcast. We are here again. Uh, my name's Alex O'Keefe. And I'm Craig Billington. Certainly are, my friend. How are you doing? Um, I'm good, mate. You? Yes, very good, mate. Thank you. Um, just looking forward to uh, sharing this mammoth of an episode, in, in all honesty. Yeah, uh, yeah. Being excited for this one. Um, so, yeah. I'll... Um, just before we, we introduce the guest, mate, um, we've come up with a new little idea. We want to share one thing we've learned from the following week with with the listeners. So one thing you've learned this week, Bill, give us it. Go ahead. Um, well, in terms of uh, uh, business-wise, so as, you, as people may know, me and Alex on um, businesses um, and mine's um, a coffee shop, but we have no outdoor seating. So the thing I've learned this week is that obviously people have been open for outdoor seating, but I can't. So I'm still as takeout. Um, and it's, so that's an, the event in itself. Um, but it's my reaction to that. So I could react in a negative way and just be like, you know what, forget this. I'm going to, might as well just close. No one's going to come in. It's going to be busy. Or I can, I can, turn it onto a positive and keep people thinking about us, you know, you know, we're still serving drinks, we're still serving food, we're still serving coffee. Um, and then in three weeks time when we can open again, like for people sitting in, they'll go, Oh, let's go and let's go and sit in there. So yeah, it's, it's been tough. Don't get me wrong. It has been tough, but it's, it's how you react to it, I think, and, and, and turn it on a positive or a negative. And I think positive is <laughs> always, always the way I think. Oh yes, yeah, perfect, mate. That's a uh, that's a proper important one, mate. To be fair, it's um, you know anyone that listens to that is you have the control over how you react, and that's you know mm. it's it's in your power. Um, you've got a choice to to react positively, and you you can make that choice. Excellent, mate. Excellent. Um, one thing I've learned, I'd say, is um. People who like follow me on social media and stuff, I, I try and I try and upload a lot of positive po- positive stuff all the time and do little videos every now and then. Um, but I was just kind of sometimes you get a bit a bit anxious and think, oh, what if what if so and so thinks this and you know so and so thinks that. Mm. But one thing I've learned is, you know, just be your authentic self and that's whether whether you're feeling good or whether you're feeling bad um yeah. you know and sh- and I, I love to share it with people and you know if, if one one person sees that and it helps them in some sort of way then you know that's that's my job done and and to be honest you're not gonna you're not gonna um please everyone are you so you know if you're just yourself you've got nothing to worry about and if people like it that's brilliant um and if people don't then you know that's their choice but i yeah. think you know i think you can just kind of hold back sometimes and worry about what other people are going to think but you know one thing i've learned now is just like 
you are who you are. Um, if you want to share that, then do it. You know, who gives a shit if someone uh, drops yeah. a little drops a little negative comment? It's just like, right, and off you pop. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I shared. You know, quite open and honest. Like a, me and yourself, Billy, we joined a, a new challenge recently, like seventy-five hard, and you know it proved to be a bit too difficult to stick with with the current situation, and and I decided to stop it, and you did as well. And I just I wanted to share that because I shared I shared the the part the point when we started the challenge, but then I I found myself not willing to share the f- the fact that I'd stopped it, you know, in case, mm-hmm. in case people thought, Oh, it's uh, not all, not all positive as we thought, but yeah, I shared it and I felt great afterwards and, and, you know, it went down well with people as well. So I think, yeah, just be yourself. If you know, you're not going to please everyone. Just be you. That's yeah. my lesson. That were a bit long winded, but I just wanted to share that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's true though. It's true. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think you sharing the fact that you stopped during the seventy-five days a negative thing. It's mm. just life. Yeah, that's life. Like you know, you, there are some things that you can, like you said, like I just said, you can control and do and and get on with. And but like, it's just sometimes it it don't work out how you want it to be, and then you've got to make a decision there, and then you can't just keep plodding away. It's like you know, it's and we talk to we talk to many people on this podcast about business and just life and 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 if you continuously do um the wrong thing say if you're playing football and you're continuously making that wrong pass mm. and you're giving the ball away <laughs> at some point in your life you've got to go nah, maybe i need to change that <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, yeah. You know, if that makes sense uh, if that makes sense did i say yeah. i don't know if that's the right analogy but yeah 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 man uh, oh, okay. Um, yeah, wicked. So this, this week's episode, um, we've got the Super League legend, Jamie Peacock, um, nine Super League championships, four Challenge Cup winners medals, named in the Super League dream team 11 times, and he won Man of Steel in 2003. Um <sighs> He's captain Great Britain and England as well. As far as um, sporting heroes are concerned, you don't get much better than this chap. And uh, what a great <laughs> conversation it was as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, from a sporting point, you know, you if you, if people have watched rugby f- before and you know how how tough that game is, and mm. um, complete, you know, battering of your body just week in week out. For to to play it that long and to win that many championships, you know it's unheard of. Yeah. Um. But then from it's the story where he started and where he went to. Mm. I mean, we were just talking before we record. We started recording, and we can't remember the club that turned him down. But some we were saying somebody turned him down because mm. they didn't think he was good enough, mm. <laughs> and we were just like, big mistake. <laughs> you know what I mean so. yeah they regretted that one Jeez. yeah um, yeah it, it, someone basically told me he couldn't make it into the Super League and you know at that point you either you, you sink or swim don't you and um, he didn't let it sink him he used it as a as a motivator to 
help him push on and you know that's a yeah that's a big lesson in itself really you know you take a take a setback and and let it push you forward rather than let it sink you down and you know he's um he's gone on to he's gone on to oh god he got awarded an MBE for his services to rugby as well um he's done countless work for charities for his for his good mate Rob Birrow as well um you know who's, who's suffering really badly at the moment but yeah he's done a lot of charitable work he's motivational speaker now um he has a 30 day workshop you can you can enter to all about um producing strong daily habits um uh, but yeah we'll um we'll leave the rest up to the to the man himself and uh yeah let's get into it shall we um yeah yeah Episode 5, Series 2, it's Jamie Peacock. Okay, a massive welcome to Jamie Peacock to the podcast. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm really well. It's great to be on here. Alexa, how's things for yourself? How are you? Yeah, really good, mate. Really good. Um, like I say, we're in, we're in tough times, aren't we? Yeah. Um, you know, myself and Craig both own businesses as well, so uh, it's one of those you've got to uh, adapt, adapt and thrive. I think, can't you? I think that's the yeah, yeah. You have, you know. I think you know the people who come out of this the best. The, the people who are the optimists and people who can innovate, and you 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 have to be able to innovate and be an optimist. I think to get through difficult times. I know that from playing. When you're in a bit of a rut while while you're playing and you're losing a few games, you can't be a pessimist, and you have to find a way to win. It's a little bit like being in COVID. You, you have to, you know, remain optimistic and innovate to find a way to make sure your businesses survive or, or things work out for you as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant, mate. That's straight away you, you kind of relating stuff you've you learned from your from your you know playing career in, into your life now. So, you know, that's that's great, mate. Great to hear that you've you know took took the lesson you've learned from your career and now putting it into your, your life as you're living now, mate. Yeah, I just feel you kind of feel a, a little bit lucky. I think when you're self-reflective to play in a team sport and the, the the you know the values you learn and the ways to be successful from being in a team sport are just like trying to be successful in, in society afterwards. And um, fortunate to go through that and go through high pressure situations, difficult situations, and what you learn from that you can use now and never more so than kind of the last fifteen months. Yeah, 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 brilliant, Matt. So yeah, again, mate. Thank you for thank you for giving us your time, pal. It's much appreciated. Um, like I say, you know, people that don't know, I, I used to, I used to watch you when you were um, leading the charge for the Bradford Bulls down at Odsall, or a se- season ticket holder when I were four foot tall. I'm only only four foot two now, like, but uh, mm. um, yeah. Used to love it, mate. Going down to Odsall and seeing you uh, captain the team, mate. Good times. Yeah, they were great times. I think you know, personally, you know, on a personal level, it's great to be uh, playing in a successful club, captain in a successful side. And I thought we we were kind of a beacon for for the city at the times. You know, Bradford went through some really challenging times um, at the beginning of the you know turn of the century. And I think we were something that the city could be proud of. I always remember the people, everybody turning out uh, when we got a civic reception after, you know, winning Challenge Cups, winning Grand Finals. And you could see uh, when, you, when you live in a city and you reside in a city, you, you want something to be proud of. And I thought 
we want that for the city and that, that's what sport can do you know sport can get people who, who are in you know a run-of-the-mill dead-end job and it allows them to feel fantastic feel, feel part of something bigger than them and more special than them so it was amazing times and ones I've looked back on Leon Alex yeah yeah definitely me too, mate, as well. So thank, thanks for them memories, I guess. <laughs> um, I remember big uh, big Leslie Vinacolo. Were, um, were he playing at the same time as you? Yeah, Les, Les was a great guy. Big, big character. Real nice person. But, you know, I love a player as well. And it just, I think it shows you, you know, how, how good we were as a side that we were signing players of the calibre of Leslie Vinacolo. But like signing now, the you know, the best NRL player and um, bringing him into one of the sides in Super League. So, it was. Uh, I was fortunate to play with a lot of players who were excellent and world class. And Les was one of them. He was world class on the pitch, and he was world class drinking off it as well. So, <laughs> I can only imagine, mate. I can only imagine. Um, yeah. So, uh, Jamie, if you don't mind, pal, if you can take take us through your story, and if you can just start, you know, from you know the origin story from from the beginning, mate, and just just bring us up to the current current day if you can in a bit of a compressed version yeah I mean I suppose you know in terms of rugby wise I, I started playing as a, as a five year old uh, I got asked to go down and play at Stanley's you know a friend of mine at school brought in some notes and you know letters from the club saying do you want to come down and play I took it to my dad and uh, he said yeah I'll take you down started playing at five and I just kind of loved the contact to the sport loved uh, being in and around my mates and I think my dad loved the fact he could get out of the house and you know have 10 pints in the club afterwards so it was like a win for me and a win for him as well um, but then he uh, progressed into kind of coaching and you know it was a big part of coaching me I was growing up and Stanley Rugby Club was a big part of my life as a kid you know I've got such uh, fond memories of being there in and around the club and playing and just all the social side that came with it as well in terms of a player, I was never one of the better players. You know, I was in and around the league six. I'd never really selected for them. No kind of pro clubs particularly interested in me, but I like, kept playing, loved playing the spot. When I got to um, 17, really, I got um, contact lenses. <laughs> I could actually see, you know, who to run into and not to run into. And that's that as well. Maybe because before I had um, glasses. Um, so it made it a bit difficult, right? Pretty short-sighted. And then when it was about 18 and a half, you know, the uh, Rafa Bull scouts started to come down and watch them play a bit. Um, I actually had a couple of games on trial at Wakefield first, uh, played um, against the Rafa Bulls in the academy, and they, they offered me a contract. And it was just, it was like a piss take, really. I was working, I thought, I'm, I'm not signing that, you know. Uh, but then Rafa Bulls came in and, you know, I, uh, you know, I had a trial with them, you know, did, nearly didn't make the first trial, you know, bottled the first trial, got back for the second trial. And, that and then eventually got a contract with the Bulls after about three months and then did it the hard way to the top. You know, yeah, I did like three years making it to the top. You know, I wasn't naturally talented, but I had to work really hard. I had strong work ethic to get there. Then um, eventually kind of, you know, got into the first team in 1999, I made my debut, but I had to win like 10 out of 12 man matches for the reserve grade before I actually got in the first team. Um, I had to keep knocking and knocking on that door, which is per- had a lot of perseverance. Then broke into the Bradford team and then kind of just my career exploded, really. Uh, got into a great Bradford team with some great players, make you look better as a player. Um, you know, one man of steel, uh, one number of 
trophies with Rob Ferdinand made the move from the Bulls to the Rhinos in 2006. You know, a Leeds lad always wanted to play for Leeds Rhinos and then kind of had 10 years of, of real success there at, at the club. Just kind of two different periods, two different clubs, but both like immensely successful as a team level. And then part of being a successful team, you know, as an individual, you've got that opportunity to shine yourself as well. And I managed to do that uh, along the way. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing, mate. You you know, I think is it is it nine is it nine Super League titles you've won in, in total? Yeah, yeah, it's nine in the in total, you know, three with the Bulls and then uh, I'd have been happy to win two or three with the Rhinos afterwards. I went there to go win trophies, you know, I was playing for my own town club, but I was going to win, there's no doubt about that. And mm. you know, two or three would have done, but to win six there was just unbelievable. And we, we just uh, we we couldn't miss, you know. We we got there and won and, went, and we were just like a well-oiled uh, grand final winning machine, really. And I just think the players kind of knew knew the role within it. We had a core of players stick together. Uh, yeah. They do that, and then we have players come in and, and add to the group, and just lucky, really. You know, lots of players play all their career and never win a final. Then to win nine is something I'm really proud of. Now, you know, when when I look back now, uh, I'm I'm proud to be involved in two different sides and two different winning sides as well. And you, you know, you've got to be amongst good players, but you've got to contribute yourself. And the one thing I like about it is that you know, I've I've won more grand finals than any other team, so. Uh, in the league, so that, I'm, I'm happy about that when I finish playing. It won't last much longer, but I'm still happy about that. <laughs> nice. I, I, so, uh, how, how long did you play for? How, long, how many years was it? Sorry. In the, in the uh, Craig, it was I played for, I made my debut for the first team in 1999 and then played 18 seasons then. Uh, wow. I've retired in 2015, 17th season, but then come out of retirement for Ilkia for eight, eight, four games at the end of 2016. I mean, help yourself, could you? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. It's the last thing I wanted to do, honestly, you know, <laughs> I'm overplaying, I'm overrunning into people and trying to smash yeah. <laughs> But uh, just, just thinking about like the, you know, as you watch rugby on, on, on TV and, and things like that, and obviously I used to play rugby as a kid and just going that long, it's got to be tough. Like you've got to be tough. Because like, you think about it like as a, as a career, as a sports career, like as a footballer or as a rugby player, your career is short. You know, you want to get 10 good years maybe. But to go for that many seasons at top, top level, you know, two of the probably all-time greatest teams um, is, is unbelievable. Like, so what were, like, what were the secrets? Any secrets in there? Or, you know what I mean? Uh, good, I was just you saying know. it's good genes, but no, it's not. I mean, it's a combination. You know, there's a few things that I think... Um, Playing in winning teams is a big thing because you've got something to play for every week and it means a lot. And, you know, I think if, I, if I'd have spent my time in run-of-the-mill teams towards the end, I'd have probably finished sooner. But, you know, when you've got a chance of playing at Wembley or winning a grand final, that really motivates you, even when you get into the twilight of your career. I think um, during the back end of my career, I realised that I was, I'm only competing against myself, you know, and I, that was a good driver for me to just try to be the best I could be. And I knew if I could play nine out of ten, then most of the, you know, I'd, most of the players I play against couldn't handle that. Um, so I needed to get to nine out of ten every week, and I just needed to control that. that that's a big thing. And then um, I would just say just a bit of determination and just realising that it is a you're lucky to do the job, and it's a great opportunity. And 
once once the door shuts, you know, probably in the last couple of years, I realised, you know, it's tough. I'm tired in training. You know, physically I'm sore, but when the door shuts, it's finished, right? You know, like mm-hmm. what now? I'm 43 now. I can't go, go around and go. Hey, what can I play this week? You know, it, it's done. So you, you've got yeah. to make the most of it. And I think because there's a a really hard deadline on it, no more playing after that. It makes you just enjoy it a bit more and. You, you become no, you know there's a lot of hard work underneath it, Craig, and you've got to work hard, sacrifice things. But the reward's big as well. There's a reward at the end of it because you're playing in winning teams and you're making memories and rewards as well. Because you know once it's done, it's done. You, you know once that horse is bolted, it's bolted in terms of yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. That's making that's making us think because because me and Craig are, we play footballers, Jamie, a pro- proper man sport. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, no, I'm just kidding. I won't, probably won't say that to you face to face, mate. But we're on Zoom call, so it could do. Um, Alex, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> no, so like we're we're obviously towards the back end of our career now, so. Um, it's going to probably make us appreciate it a bit more, you know? Cause, yeah, yeah like, you do. You know, when the opportunities are limited to do something, then I think you do appreciate it a little bit more. Let's say lockdown, right? Like, mm-hmm. if we go back to January or let's go back to December, uh, just before lockdown, and we've all got a period before Christmas and we get sick of going out, don't we? we get sick of having a Christmas dinner and sick of meeting our mates going out. And now this year, when we couldn't do any of that, it makes you appreciate it a little bit more, right? When opportunities become limited, you appreciate things more. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Yeah. It's it's it almost seems weird thinking about going out to the pub with your mates now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think there's a bit of that going on, you know, a bit of uh, being institutionalised to like you know being in your four door for these four walls and not doing anything else. And I think you know. It's it's going to take a bit of breaking through for all people to do that. I think we will, we will get through that, but I think it's going to be a challenge early on. And I think yeah. some people, it's going to be harder than, than, than others to do that. Yeah, mm. yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, just a quick one, Jim. I, I noticed when, when you were telling us about your early stages, you said that you weren't, you weren't like a standout player, you know, when you were 16, 17 or anything. So I'm just kind of curious to, did you have kind of like a, like a light bulb moment where that you had like an injection of self-belief or, you know, like, can you put it down to a particular moment where you just thought, hang on a second, I can do this. Well, I I think there's a few things, you know, I learned a lesson about self-belief by making a mistake, you know, early on in my career, I had the chance to go train with the Bradford Bulls, but I got really nervous about it. And I I was supposed to get off the bus and I pulled it and I stayed on the bus and didn't go training with the Bulls. Nearly messed up my, you know, my biggest opportunity. But fortunately, I got a chance in the following week to do that. And during that week, I realised, right, it, when opportunities come, it's all right to be nervous and have self-doubt. But to go anywhere in life, you've got to push past that. You've got to have some courage and push past yourself and have that self-belief. So the following week, I made sure, you know, I had the mindset, back myself, and I got off the bus. And I kind of learned a lesson then in life that, it's all right to have self-doubt. It's all right to feel a bit nervous, but you just got to push through that. And, and often, you know, at the other side of our, you know, when we have a big fear, right, and we face up to it, it's not maybe nothing at the other side of it, is it? You know, like our biggest fears are never as bad as they think they're going to be. And that was a good learning and lesson for me. And then for me, really, in my career then, uh, I, I think it was all about, I'm really self-aware, so I'm, I'm really trying to always think about, well, I'm not, quite as you know and I coordinators of people I don't have that you know that magic rugby ability like a Danny Maguire could just 
he pop up at the right place at the right time because he can just see things that you can't on a rugby field. I'm not going to learn that, but I'll tell you what, I can outwork people, I can be fitter than people, I can be mentally tougher than people, and I can do that through training. Uh, so I kind of realised that's the route I'm going to go down. And by doing that, it allowed me to be confident, uh, develop self-belief. So kind of, if you want to develop self-belief, work out or work out what you're good at. If you don't know what you're good at, ask somebody. And really work on that day-to-day. And genuinely, you'll get successes from the back of it because we're all good at different things. And like, if you get employed by somebody. So if you're an employee in your job interview, they, they don't... Uh, finish the job interview and go, we'll hire them for what they can't do. You know, they hire you for what you could good at in life. So mm-hmm. me, I worked out what I could be good at doing, which is being really fit, being mentally tough. And I became really good at doing that. Um, and that worked for me in rugby, but there's no reason why people can't do that in normal day-to-day life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so after rugby, what was the, you know, you finished it, was it Hull, you said? Um, yeah. Did you go into coaching or was it uh, just a straight cut away from rugby to doing other things? So during... Uh, there's quite a few answers to this. So during my career, um, I began to run other little businesses. You know, I've always been a bit of entrepreneurial. Um, you know, my yeah. dad put his own business making false teeth. Uh, so it's kind of... It's in, that, in the family a bit. So set up some businesses running... You know, rugby camps, uh, they were going well and started doing mm. some motivational speaking. That had been going well for, you know, probably seven years before I started retired and retired. Went in to be director of rugby at Hulk, Hulk Yard. You know, great club, uh, wonderful fans, great support base and a great owner in Neil Udgell. Uh, and that, for me, just didn't work out. I, I realised that I, I, I don't like being told what to do by people all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to be my own kind of boss. Uh, I'm good at other areas other than being sat in the same place day to day and, and it killed me that just being in the same place day to day. So I spent a year or so in that and then I began to develop like a mentoring programme uh, during that time there because I thought I need to move on from this. No, it's not mm. for me. So by that point, uh, I had the England team manager role. I love doing that. You know, that's like sorting out the logistics for England. It's a little bit like between being Mary Poppins and nannying the players and being Winston Wolfhart, Pulp Fiction, making stuff disappear that nobody needs to know about. <laughs> between the two of those. Um, so, uh, and I love that job. But then I developed my mentoring program uh, off the back of that. And then that's really grown massively in the last like three or four years, you know, mentoring people within business. And then through that, I've developed some well-being programs, started developing a well-being program for the whole uh, NHS CCG for, you know, 12 and 13-year-olds. And then that's grown as well. So my business has grown in terms of, like, mentoring, um, building champions mentoring, uh, motivational talks, and well-being. And I work part-time in commercial um, for for, um, for Leeds Rhinos, not England manager anymore, you know, team manager. We'd love to get back into that at some point in the future. So who knows with that? But yeah, that's kind of been my journey for the last maybe four years to 2021. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing, mate. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I think, you know, one one thing that's clear there is that you are, would I be right in saying that you had a you had a plan to come out of when you when you finished playing and did you have a plan then? Yeah, it's a good, I think it's a good observation that I was never going to be, you know, you asked Craig about coaching and I was never going to go into coaching, not now, maybe later in, when I'm older, because coaching really, there's, there's 12 full-time jobs in the game. There's probably five or six that are, are, are really the clubs that can challenge. And 
you know, actually with a coach, you you can max sign a three-year deal, but it's a six-week contract. You know, you, you lose mm. six games in a row, you're out of the job. And I, and I wanted some stability and security. And I think uh, I think I've got a bit more to add than I think coaching a, a, a rugby league club is all-consuming. And I wanted a bit more freedom in my diary about how I wanted to work and what I wanted to do. So for me, went yeah. in a different direction um, and and realised, you know, but I had a passion for mentoring, a passion for well-being. And I think if you're working in something you're passionate about, then it's not really your job. You can outwork people because the hours you commit are not worth the passion out of it, so it's easier to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, nice. I mean, yeah, we we um, we talk about passion a lot in in our work. Um, and, you know, I'm definitely passionate about what I do and, and Alex the same. So it's, it's good to hear it from somebody else who's, you know, you you at one point passionate about rugby, but then obviously now you're passionate about just helping other people and, and seeing them grow. So it's it's good to good to hear and good to see. I think. Um, so what what would be a daily like like routine for you in terms of so as a rugby player, what was your daily routine like? You know, wake up, coffee kind of thing. Or is it just- All right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty, uh, well, was really disciplined, you know, uh, as a player. I'd get up early, you know, coffee, breakfast, getting early, do my extras, you know, in terms of like either fitness training or stretching, uh, get ready for training, watch some video clips before we start. And then you go through the process of training and then afterwards make sure you, you recover right. You've got your, you know, your ice bath. I do some ice bath on a night time at home and mm. stretch on a night time. I do any little thing I think I could do to get an edge and be professional. And, you know, I didn't do that at the start of my career, but I progressed and progressed and became, uh, understood that, you, you know, your habits make you who you are as a person. Um, mm. And the more you do something, the, the easier it becomes. Uh, so for me, uh, it was all based around, particularly in probably the last five to seven years of my career, just being as professional as I, as I could be and, and looking after myself. And then I suppose now I've got like routines, you know, that kind of work for me. I, I, I tend to go out of bed at the same time, up at the same time. I'm a big believer in that. Get up early. You know, I always have a pint of water in it first thing in the morning, no breakfast to start with. And a coffee, you know, and I either train or I have a bit of a stretch. Then for me, I like to really like to get, I, I always write a list of stuff that needs doing the, the night before, six o'clock, seven o'clock. That way I can switch off on the night time and then I know the mm. next day I'm straight into it. So for me, you know, I get things rattled off in an hour in the morning, uh, which I know I need to do. And then I'll jump in whatever I'm kind of doing that day, which might be like men, in my day. I love, well, I love my weeks because no week is ever the same, right? And for some people, it drive them crackers, right? But for me, my week is, my weeks are busy, but they're just all over the place. You know, I say, yeah, and work out afterwards. And uh, yes. I just have really very different weeks, but I have some structure around that about my personal self, which will be, you know, what what works for me is definitely um, I, don't know, I eat healthily, right? You know, I, I, I do eat healthily, but I'm not like a monk with it. But you know, eighty percent mm. of the stuff I eat is healthy, twenty percent not. I have a bit of moderation. Always have a pint of water in the morning. Always have uh, glucosamine for my knees and cod liver oil. Always like a coffee in the morning. Train every day if I can. If I can't train because I'm tired, I'll, I'll just go for a walk. Uh, try and meditate maybe three, four times a week just for 10 minutes, just deep breathing, mm-hmm. clear my head for a little bit. That's all that I think you need. Uh, Stretching is yeah. important to me. And obviously then just spending quality time and switching off at the weekends is, is key for me as, as well. Not at the moment yeah. it's a challenge doing anything at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. 
I think quality time away from work is really essential. And my final thing is, you know, I have a, I have a my to do list book which I religiously use. You know, get things in, yeah. write them off, get things in, write them off. And for me, that's something I've really had to work at because my personality type is not for detail. Um, so when you're not for detail, it, it means you can mess up appointments and you're not sure what's going on. So I've had to the last ten years really train myself to be detailed about what I'm doing and make sure things get done. And for me now, it's habit with that. Yeah. Nice. I think you've just made me realise that my personality is not detailed either. So I think that's uh, <laughs> just a bit all yeah. over the shop. But it's something you can, it's something you can learn, right, isn't it? So, yeah, well, 100% you can learn. You know, there's three things I think I've learned to do maybe in the last 10 years is is to listen more. Because um, my personality type is to try to take over things and, I've really developed, like I've had to do it with mentoring, just breathe, don't say anything, let people talk. Massively better than that. Patience, you know, being more patient with how long things take, how long other people take. I've changed massively with that. Then the final one is just being detailed, just when I need to be, I can get my eye into detail. I'm not it all the time, but when it's necessary, I'll do that. And I think if you understand yourself, Alex Craig, then you can change yourself through just some small little changes day to day. That it's that consistency people find hard of doing it consistently yeah. day to day to change it into a habit. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Nice. Um, just wanted to bring up Jamie, like because you said that you had like that on that entrepreneurial side to you. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, like where where did that come from? Do you think? And obviously that's helped you create a plan because you because I'm sure that. You know, people just see your name and think, "Oh, it's Jamie, it's Jamie Peacock, the the rugby player." And but you've you've you know you've gone against it. You've you've created your own businesses, and like I say, it's it comes down to that identity, doesn't it? Like, and you've you've been like living proof that you can you can go on to do other things after you you're not you know mm. you're not just one thing. Yeah, I'm not pigeonholed to being a rugby yeah. player. I think I, I think yeah, I think it's. Some good question. I think, you know, the, where does being an entrepreneur come from? I, th- I think probably my, my dad's side of things, you know, running his own business, you see uh, you see the stresses and strains of it, but you do see that you get to run your own kind of ship with things and uh, and it's about problem solving. And obviously, you know, rugby league's about problem solving. Every week you've got to solve a problem of how can you beat the team? And when you're in the pitch, it's live, right? How are we going to beat this team if, you, if you're losing? Or if you're in front, right? How's the problem going to keep people motivated? So mm-hmm. I like that problem solving element I think it's one of my skills in life that if I see something then I can simplify it quite quickly and work out what's going to be the best way of doing this if I get enough information and I think what I've realized over time that that's a skill to do that not everyone can do that and I think it's a good skill as an entrepreneur is taking knowledge and work out a simple path for the way forward that people can understand for me um, and then I kind of always understood my Rugby, rugby is a platform for me to be successful. So I've been lucky um, that rugby leagues allow me to create a, a name that has some notoriety, right? But it's no good having a name with notoriety unless you deliver on what you're going to say, um, because people will use you once and never use you again. So I've prided myself on, you know, if people use me because of my name, then I, I do a good bloody job. You know, I want to deliver mm. what they want, yeah. um, and then people then use you more and I just think you know one of my things is you just do the right thing by people and if you just consistently do the right things by people 
couple of times you're going to get burned, right? There's no doubt about it. Someone will take advantage of you. I'm not going to say that's not going to happen. But the vast majority of people will want to do the same thing as well. And people generally say the same. And they remember that you've done the right thing by them. And it all comes back, you know. That for me is karma in a way, that consistency. Trying to do the right thing and having integrity. And I I was fortunate to play in a team at the Rhinos where the vast majority of people wanted that. And that was what what run them was integrity. Uh, So for me, that understanding that good values and integrity is not, just a rugby thing it's a life thing it's allowed me to move from being a, a rugby player you know played you know played hard played with integrity played with the right amount of values played in the right way I thought and I thought all oh, that's trans- move that into the real world you know I can have values that I deliver I, I work hard you know I'm going to do the right thing I'm going to be fair and I'll, and I'll, I'll tie all, all that in um, together, so by doing that with the problem solving, allows me to be a successful entrepreneur. I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, like I say, it's, it, I think it depends on. You know, you either see, you see, you're either a problem solver or you you find an excuse. I think in it, and you know, yeah, it's solutions, not problems, right? Solutions, think, not problems. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And uh, I think, I think in teams that lose a lot. In sport, there are a lot of people who just see problems. Yeah. You know, mm. We're behind, you know, the weather's bad, the rain's bad, ball slip it, or you see in, in winning teams, you see people just see solutions. Let's keep let's keep the ball high if it's wet because they'll drop it. All right. Let's put mm. some pressure on them. Let's kicking game has to be great today because it's wet, so we have to kick chase hard. We just see solutions, not problems with it. And I think you forget how. No, you necessarily as a player, you don't understand how valuable that is outside sport as well. Yeah. It's that, yeah. that blame culture, isn't it? It's like, you know, you need to take responsibility and, you know, full ownership of your own game and your yeah. own life, really, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think successful players do own it, you know, they, they own things in life. I think as you're coming through, certainly for me, it was more difficult because you, 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 your confidence is not as high as it should be. And it's sometimes a bit easier to point the finger at somebody else. But as you grow older, you just realise, you know, real growth lies within ownership of any, any kind of mistakes and setback and being big enough and comfortable enough to just say, well, that, that's my my mistake. Uh, apologies for that. I'll be better next time round. And when you work for yourself, you make mistakes all the time, don't you? And you have yeah, to own yeah, it because yeah. uh, no one else is going to help you out. So you have to own them and realise, work out ways to improve. You, you, as, a, as an entrepreneur, if you blame everybody else and you go out of business, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's a it's a massive on that. It's like it's like somebody opening a like I own a, a coffee shop. It's like me going, Oh, that coffee shop's put me out of business and it's like, well, no, it's yourself. You you've yeah. put yourself out of business just being uh uh being pretty much just blaming everyone else apart from yourself. And it's I've recently taken that into the last three years, I've taken that into my own kind of footballing career, yeah. <laughs> if you can call it that. Um and just being taking ownership. And and just and just being in in the same with life. And if I make a mistake, it's like right, I've made a mistake. Sorry. And then you just if you continue to make that same mistake, then you're definitely doing something wrong, aren't you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're not learning. You're just doing the same thing over and over again. Like yeah, yeah. You're you a fool, aren't you? You know, <laughs> I, I think if you keep making the same mistake over and over again, then you know, either stop, stop doing what you're doing or yeah. try to learn something. You, you're not learning. You're not being self-aware enough to learn from mistake. And I like what you said about the coffee shop, you know, not blaming other people. Jealousy is a, a real 
negative emotion, right? And I think a lot of us suffer it from time to time. I look at people and go, I wish you were them. But all it ever you get from that is just negativity from jealousy. I think it's a big thing. It's yeah. not to be jealous of, of other people and other, other people, you know, wish them well. And eventually, you know, you might uh, get there yourself. But I think that's the best way to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah be, be inspired rather than be jealous, I think, is the... Uh, yeah, for sure it is, right? Yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Take, take inspiration, mm. definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to... Uh, are you aware of a, a chap called uh, Damien Hughes, Jamie? Yeah, I know Damien, yeah. I, yeah. I've worked with Damien in the past before, yeah. He's a good yeah, guy. Yeah. We, we've had him as a, a guest on here. He was a great, great chap. Yeah. Um, so he, obviously you'll know he's, he's sort of role in a in a team. So it's like organisational psychology sort of thing. He works on like team culture and stuff like that, building a winning culture in a team. So I'm just kind of curious when when you were in that leadership position, Jamie. What what kind of culture did you create in in the club, and what's what were some of the you know the, the values that were sort of non negotiable for you? For your team, I think uh, firstly, Damien. You know, I, I mean, Damien have got a bit of history together, and really positively. You know, he set me out on my journey in 2008 uh, to become a motivational speaker after the 2008 World Cup. So, you know, I've got a, a great uh, debt of gratitude to Damien uh, for yeah. setting me off yeah. on, on that particular path yeah. in life. Uh, for me, you know, what's the leadership like there? I, I think it's leadership. You've got to say the right thing, but more importantly, you've got to behave the right way because. If what you say and what you behave uh, are different, then the group will always follow what you behave. And um, for me, it's about maintaining high standards in terms of you know work ethic, holding people accountable, but also giving it giving a shit about your teammates, caring about your teammates yeah. is a big one for me. And if you can lead that way, you know, by having a really strong work ethic, owning your mistakes, uh, being accountable. And then also really caring about your teammates and do that consistently. Then you set the standard that sets the non-negotiables for the group. And then everybody kind of buys into doing that. Uh, and for mm. me, it's pretty simple doing that. And in, through doing those things, you know, leadership's about, uh, you know, deep relationships. Can you create deep relationships? Well, create deep relationships with people by doing the right thing and looking out for them and not blaming people. You've got to have good communication skills. Um, you do have good communication skills by just by being honest with people uh, and straight to the point with them because they, they know where they stand with them and understanding you know, honesty comes in different levels to kind of uh, different players. And then I think the third thing is trust, right? I think you've got to be yourself. You've got to be authentic. And if you are, do the right thing by your teammates and own your own mistakes, you create trust. And if you're consistent with how you are, you create trust. So if you can build good relationships, have good communications and, and get people to trust you where your behaviors, then you'll be a good leader. How do you do that? By uh, being nice, being doing the right thing by people, by being honest, um, by working hard and, and being accountable to yourself, really. So that's kind of it, really, what we're doing. You know, it's simple to say, but it's just more difficult to do, like, like anything. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. You say it's simple to say and, and difficult to do, but I think that your career as a rugby player, winning nine titles, and what you've just said there, is probably why you've won nine titles. You know, you've set yourself a standard, which sets over self other people a standard, um, and then and then you've gone and taken it from there, and just being consistent with a routine, um, and then like you say, just being honest with people as well, and it's. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of people are like, oh, you're too honest. And it's like, yeah, but there is the difference between nice and honest. Yeah. Because I could be nice all day long to you. Oh, you've got really nice air. But it's like, oh, I could be honest. Yeah. And is it like, you know what I mean? Like, I, if I'm honest with you, then I'm not being mean. I'm just, yeah. that's, that, you know what I mean? As a leader, I've got to be honest. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, well, 100%. You, you have to be honest and have that. And I just think, as well, it's just to kind of, you know, don't accept mediocrity, I, I think, and kind of strive for excellence. I would say I was fortunate at the Lebrinos and the Bulls that a lot of the players had that mindset. They, they wouldn't accept mediocre, mediocre performances in training or in games. They wanted to be excellent. And I think when you've got a group of like-minded people like that, it's easy to lead by example with them because you're doing what they want anyway. Yeah. yeah. I think I heard Damien speak about it actually because I think he, he did a, a bit of work with, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson. And and he said about that culture, like all of it, all of the teammates knew the standard. It's like Sir Alex didn't even have to say anything. It was like the culture run runs itself. You know what I mean? Would you say that that that's how it was in your teams? Yeah, I would say so because it, it, I think there's some studies been shown on this, and it, we'll take the Rhinos for example. We had three different coaches, but we're able to maintain success throughout. Now, I think the head coach sets a great standard and sets the ethos, but it's a group of five or six players within in that who drive that ethos and um, drive the, the culture. So the, the leader, which is the coach, has to set a good standard, but the, the own leaders, you know, who are in it day-to-day in the group, they're the ones who drive the culture because they're living it and breathing it and behaving it all the time and they spend the most time with the players. And I think quite a number of studies have shown that in sporting teams that are dynasties, it's a group of senior players that really drive culture, really drive values, really drive behaviours. <laughs> from my time in sport, I've seen that as well. But you do need somebody who, who is at the top, you know, setting the good behaviours and then you've got to buy into it yourself as a, as a, as a player. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. yeah definitely. There's, a, there's a lot of players that I can think about who I think if they'd have, if they'd have had that mindset that they'd probably won loads of titles but they're just being like you know I've got I've got all the plans I'll do whatever I want and I think that's what sets players apart I think you know different like different walks of like say from football or rugby you've got players that are um, like oh he could have been a top top player but it's, it's uh, one of those know. isn't it when, when if a player comes into your team and he's got a massive ego and he's you know he thinks his dog's bollocks and stuff you know automatically you just you just think he's not going to fit in with our culture and, you know, they, they, they don't stay around for long, do they, them type of players? No, you've got to be humble, right? You know, it's all right having talent, but the best, mm-hmm. most talented players, I, I love when you meet a right great talent meets hard work. So, mm-hmm. you know, for example, like a Sonny Bill Williams, you know, we're an extremely talented athlete, but he works harder than anybody else as well. And, and they're, for me, the best players who just have the desire to maximise yeah. yeah. the talent, but also humble with it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so before we uh, before we came on here, Alex, we mentioned that you were doing um, some sort of charity event or something like that. Um, you know, you <laughs> I, I, I didn't know it. Up, yeah. yeah, a run or something coming yeah, up. On, yeah, um, yeah. So I'm going to be running um, an ultra marathon on Friday, 40, less than 48 hours time. Should be nearly finishing actually in 48 hours time. I should have finished by now. Should be on the train back up north. But um, yeah, I'm running uh, 52 miles, a double marathon around London to raise money for a greenhouse sports project for a 
they're a company, a, a charity, sorry, they're a charity that puts sports coaches in um, schools in socioeconomic deprived areas. I think it's a great charity. I think you know, nice. kids have missed that sport in the community, particularly the last 12 months. You know, in the tougher areas, the more difficult areas, the community clubs and the sports coaches at, at uh, schools are the shining light for these kind of kids. They give them a chance to learn values and give them a chance to be a better person and, and help get fight their way out of poverty. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Great, mate. We'll uh we'll we'll actually be um while you're doing that run, we'll also be running at the same time because we're, we're doing um, the goggins. Yeah, we're doing, we're doing the goggins, yeah. Yeah, I did that last year, yeah. Get ready. Did you? Yeah, did, what did yeah. it like? Yeah, I mean, um uh it, it was tough, right? But it's doable and I think the most difficult runs are the the midnight and four o'clock in the morning one because it's yeah. Um, eight o'clock at night, you're all right. You know, you can get it jumping at bed. Then twelve o'clock, that one's challenging. But the four in the morning's awful because you've no coffee. You 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 fast asleep, and you've just got to, you've just got to knock it off. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the other ones, I didn't find so bad really. And it, it's just plenty of ice baths and plenty of chocolate milkshake gets you through it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, nice. Can't wait. I'm looking Can't for- wait. I mean, wait. I'm looking forward to it. How, how many <laughs> doing it? Is it just you two or is it a group or WhatsApp group or there's five of us doing it. We we we're doing it for uh we're raising money for Andy's man club. Ah right, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's Amber in it? Amber yeah, look, yeah. yeah, he told me to say hello to you because I was speaking to him before this. Like. Yeah, yeah, Amber, yeah. Um He's a good fella, he can talk. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, he can talk. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think you, you'll really enjoy it. It's a great feeling when you all finish it together, you know, all put it together. And yeah, yeah. And all that. So, yeah, yeah. What time are you going to do your first run at? Um, so, we've decided to do it at uh, first run four o'clock on Friday evening. Yeah, so what time um, will you finish with that then? Finish at 12 on 12 Perfect. midday on Sunday. Yeah, that's the best one. That's the best way of doing it. That hundred yeah. percent because you got yeah. Sunday then, and you know, yeah, that's a good one, good way of doing it. That yeah, yeah. Because I, th- I think we we're going to do it at the same time as Goggins did it in America, but it turned out we'd bloody finish it about what what it Bill like what it yeah four o'clock on Monday morning or something like that. Yeah. Stupid. Double. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you're all right. Goggins will we'll do it as. Uh... <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's that's brilliant, mate. So obviously we're we're all doing as bit this weekend, aren't we? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's great to do a bit. Um, I think it's great in these times to do something together, which is difficult to raise a bit of money for charity for good causes. And I think you know England and Britain as a nation is great doing that. We shouldn't underestimate how good we are at doing that in this country. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Mate. Um, so yeah, we're kind of coming up towards the end there, pal. It's been yeah. a been a pleasure, mate, chatting with you. Um, but we've just got yeah. a, a few like trademarky questions to finish. Yeah, yeah, cool. I like this, Craig. It's been good chatting right, to you off as well. Loved it. Yeah, man. Um, so just if you can, mate, give us a fact about you that most people won't know. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is such an odd question, this, right? Because there's, there's, most people know me in the public domain. So there's a couple, really. So the, the first one, some people know it somewhat. My real name's James, right? And what happened was a guy in the open age, when I started playing open age at 16, just started calling me Jamie all the time. I go, look, mate, my name's James. He go, all right, Jamie, get yourself on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, James. He go, yeah, Jamie, get yourself on the bench. So 
kind of stuck as my name, you know, as a professional <laughs> player. So that's how that stuck. And the second fact, this this one's a bit different, is that I hope my uh, granddad, he used to uh, he used to be an heavyweight boxing champion in the Navy. And he, uh, he also was a pro footballer, played a, a bit of professional football for Bournemouth. Uh, and he played at Anfield as well, played against uh, Liverpool. He was an old school white striker, uh, like nose bent all over and that. So they're, they're kind of two facts that not many people will know. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then if you could invite anyone into this chat, who would it be and why? Right. So with this, do you know, there's so many people with this one. Right. So, where I'm going to run through from my list, right? A couple of people. <laughs> I, I would I would love to have uh, Malcolm Gladwell in here. I think he, he's a brilliant author. I, lo- I love his books, right? Then yeah. on a different level, he, he's not in. I would love to have like David Bowie in here. I absolutely love David Bowie. I would love to have him in here, you know, just to chat to him. Um, yeah. And then, I, well, I was, I was once in Vegas and I, I won like quite a bit of money, luckily. And I nearly yeah. bought like a David Bowie like album and piece of memorabilia and I, thought, I can't buy it back, all the way back I didn't buy it I wish I'd bought it now anyway a mistake of mine but I'm going to go really I've been thinking about this and like my my answer would be like, I want to invite like the, the, the Times person of the year from 300 years from now and let's get them on and let's see what's happened in 300 years time from now so <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I want to know yeah. I, I, obviously you know we, we, we're at that part, point so we say that some people are going to be like immortal, which you, know, you can still die by being run over, but you've got a chance of not dying from old age, right? In the yeah. next 30 years. I'd really like to know, you know, in, I don't know, 24, 21, what's going on in the world. So that's going to be my answer. Nice. Right, yeah. Brilliant, man. I love that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting, right? How interesting would that be? Like yeah. the Times person of the year in 24, 21, we get them on here now. It might yeah. be one of us. <laughs> you know you read on uh, what was that uh, Simpsons show that they used to uh, the Simpsons one oh god yeah. I forgot yeah I know Simpsons. which one you mean yeah yeah but mate now that's my answer serious genuine answer I think it'd be so interesting yeah yeah definitely would yeah that's brilliant mate yeah. nice that one. Um, right mate just to finish on um, final piece of advice for someone really that's you know, either a young person that's involved in sport or someone that's looking to start a business and someone at start start of the journey, mate. What 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 advice would you give would you give them? Just um, it's a big question, is that I just think, you know, find out what you're good at uh, or find your passion. Don't be worried if you don't find it the first time round and it takes you a few goals to find it. Everyone takes a bit of time to do that. But once you find something you you really love doing or, or you're really good at, make sure. You just double down with your work ethic in that. And as we spoke about before, if you've got a passion for something, right, then it's not work. And that means if you're in something now that you're not passionate about, go do something else. That would be my advice until you find something because you'll always be able to outwork somebody in what is your passion for you. Because it, like with you guys, it's never work. It's just a, it's a passion. So you don't mind doing 14 hour days, you know? Yeah. 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 Sound advice, awesome. mate. Great to finish on. Yes. Um, yeah, so thank you, mate. It's uh, been a pleasure. Um, good luck with the charity run this weekend. We'll yes. be uh, we'll be thinking of you, mate, while we're blowing out of our asses as well. <laughs> yeah, good luck on yours. You'll enjoy it. It's a good experience. Yeah. Good experience as a group together, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At yeah. four o'clock in the morning, so I'll get ready for them. Get right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, right. mate, all the best with your future, yeah. mate. You're 
entrepreneurial ventures and everything, mate. We'll, uh, we're, we're rooting for you, pal. Great, yeah. great, great to speak to both of you. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a really easy session. It's flown by it's that. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. It's all right. Pleasure. Yeah, thank you. All right. All right. Take, Take care, buddy. See you later. See you, mate. Bye. Just a quick shout to our sponsor, The Turmeric Co. We've started working with these guys recently. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, myself and Craig were, were actually taking the shots before we teamed up with those guys. Absolutely amazing for, for recovery. Um, there's loads of health benefits to the little turmeric shots and they're very tasty as well. Um, so they're full of an- antioxidants, the source of vitamin C and B6. It results in a healthy immune system and also supports digestion as well. So yeah, we, we did say that we wanted to work with a with a company that we we genuinely believe in, and we do believe in their product, and we uh, continue to use it daily. So uh, yeah, uh, if you want to try the shots, you can um, head to the show notes. We've got a ten percent off discount for all of our listeners. So you just got to follow the link and then hit the code in TSMM10 at checkout, and uh, yeah, go get your shots. Thanks for listening to another inspiring self-made story. And we hope you enjoyed the show. We would be very grateful if you could kindly leave us a review, as it will help us impact a wider audience. You can do this on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you want to reach out on the socials, find us across all platforms using at the Self Made Minds Podcast. See you next time, and happy success making. <laughs>